Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. I am Cassie Gray, and I'm your host and the director of Female Footballers. I am very excited today to be joined by somebody that I got to meet through Clubhouse, the app, but she is doing some amazing things when it comes into the world of our menstrual cycles and how that pertains to being a female athlete in sport. Um, so without further ado, she's also the owner and and um, of a company called Flow to Freedom. Her name is Josephine Kwan. Well, welcome, Josephine. Ah, oh, thanks, Cassie. Thanks for having me and um, appreciate the introduction. Love what you're doing and, and all that you're bringing um, to the world of women and girls in sports. So um, feel the same about you and what you're doing. So oh, I'm glad we, we had the opportunity to connect. Absolutely. And I have to say, like, out of all the things I listened to on Clubhouse for that few months where I was like really into it, um, it was what you when you came on and spoke about this topic, it just made me like my mind was just spinning. And it was very fascinating to hear other people's opinions and thoughts of what you were saying. And I was like, gosh, this is a topic that is very uh, needed. We needed to be discussing it on all levels of the sport at the highest level of sport, and it just doesn't get enough airtime. And so I'm really excited to ask you a few questions about um, what you're doing and, and your knowledge in this field. So thank you for, for being here. Absolutely, totally agree with the need of, there's there's gotta be some attention brought on this topic for sure. Absolutely. Um, so before we get really into, um, a lot about our, our menstrual cycles and all of that. Um, listeners, just be aware, we're, we're going there. We're gonna talk about all of it. So if it makes you uncomfortable, keep listening because you need to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about you uh, growing up, where you're from, how you got into this world of, of what you do now when it comes to, um, to flow to freedom and all of that. So can you give us a little background? Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Vancouver, Canada. Um, always had a love and passion for sports ever since I was really young. Um, didn't come from a wealthy family, but when whenever we had the opportunity, we would be outside playing and, and playing sports. So um, when I graduated from high school and went to university, coming from um, an Asian family, your parents push you towards, you know, business accounting. And I did that for a few years, only to realize that, again, my passion really lies in, in sports. So I ended up getting a degree in kinesiology and uh, pursue that and was a, a strength and conditioning coach for years. But at the time, there just was not a whole lot of opportunity for for women in sports on the high level where it's great that we're absolutely, absolutely seeing that shift now. And some of the bigger opportunities come up for women now, but back then there just wasn't. So um, I ended up packing my bags, moving to Maui, living there for five years. And when I came back to Canada, there just wasn't um, uh for me to continue what I was doing there. So I ended up getting into commercial real estate and I was doing that for the past 13 years. I had a bit of a aha moment, um, started thinking about, you know, 
what I wanted to do in terms of legacy, how was I contributing, and somehow or another, again, came back to sports. So that's how I ended up uh, starting Flow to Freedom was um, when I had that moment of, of, you know, thinking about what I wanted to do for the future and how I wanted to contribute. Awesome. That's so interesting. I feel like a lot of people I talk to sport, it, it always brings them back, you know, always brings them back to that purpose, their why. Um, and, and your why is more unique than a lot of the people I talk to. And, and it's super fascinating. It's something that is so common, yes, but so very, you know, not discussed enough in my opinion at all. And so, um, can you explain to everybody what Flow to Freedom is and how you came to do what you're doing now? Yeah, so Flow to Freedom is, uh, we, we've designed a line of patent pending leak-proof activewear. So what really happened was, as I was kind of exploring and how to get back into sport, what happened was I was visiting a girlfriend down in the Cayman Islands. She was a lawyer turned fitness instructor. And... Um, we came across the conversation where she said one of her biggest concerns was if she was teaching a class and she got up and there was a pool of blood. And I'm like, what? Well, why would you say that? And she's like, I've always suffered from these extreme heavy periods. And now my teenage daughter um, has the same issues. And I was like, oh my goodness, this whole time I thought it was just me. Like I had suffered through heavy periods my entire life. And that's when I started looking in, into like what types of, uh, like what was everyone else doing? And then I realized there were um, products like period underwear and I started buying and trying all the different brands and they were great and they worked, uh, but being a little vain and still like wanting to look cute at the gym, um, my thought was, okay, well, if I'm wearing a cute pair of say Lululemons or Nikes, like I still got underwear lines. So now I'm concealing one thing for another. And when I, it, and when I couldn't find what I was looking for, that's when I decided, okay, well, what if I can create a pair of pants for myself? And that's kind of what I did. I ended up going through non-typing and testing, and that's how I came to develop um, the pair of leggings. But why I wanted to share that with the rest of the world was because um, I see the importance of sports and I realize, I believe one of the biggest um, deterrents for girls to participate in sports are period. It's because of their periods, because that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, when I was 15, I was playing in a provincial uh, volleyball tournament. And I remembered I suffered a, a period leak on the court. And at the time I was really scared and really nervous. I ran to my male coach and I asked him, I, I need to go to the bathroom. And instead of saying yes, he actually got up and he yelled at me in front of everyone and told me to get back on the court until I was done. So needless to say, completely lost all concentration, uh, was felt so much anxiety around, oh no, is it going to like leak down my leg? Is anyone going to see? Is it going to be on my shorts? And from that point on, I never played volleyball ever again. So coming back to why I wanted to create this product and share with others was because I didn't want another girl to 
ever feel that type of shame and embarrassment because I've carried that trauma with me for over two decades and, and it changes you. So I, I, I want, and which is why I'm doing everything I can to prevent that from happening to somebody else. Oh my goodness. And what you just said with your story is something that as a female coach, who's worked with a lot of young soccer players is incredibly common. I think that um, I had all male coaches as well in high school. Um, I don't, I I didn't have the exact same situation, but I definitely know that we would discuss how we were scared to go talk to him about things like this, especially my high school coaches, because there were also teachers at the school. Um, and I think that every young woman can, can identify and, and feel you on this. Like they really do. This is a common, common thing that is just not talked about. And it is, it's a, tr- when you have an experience like that, that is a trauma that I, it's, I don't know how you get over, you know, because it is life altering. And it's weird to me that it's not something in today's day and age that we discuss openly. It's weird to me that um, it's not part of a coach's curriculum in a way of what they're educated on when they're coaching female athletes. So I definitely want to talk more about that and um, sort of how now that you have flow to freedom and and you've done a, you've done a lot of research on menstruation in sport. Um, can you tell us kind of a little bit about that and and some of your findings? I guess if if you can go there. Yeah, like. I, I agree when you're saying we, what I've realized now, um, my intention was to, to develop this product to, to solve a problem. But what I didn't realize um, when I first launched the, the line was there's so much education behind um, that people don't know about. And when you say, you know, girls having, um, being worried about approaching their coaches and coaches not necessarily wanting to discuss the issue either. The the gap there is there's a lack of education, right? So I think that's one of the biggest parts of where I'm leading Flow to Freedom now is to also um, address that menstrual education piece. And as you mentioned, through uh, the research, I mean, half the world's population, well, 51% are females. Periods aren't going anywhere. <laughs> so the quicker we, we realize that, the better we can you know, start addressing that issue. And one in three females actually suffer from heavy periods. And that number is actually pretty astounding. And I've spoken to some of the top researchers in the industry where on the elite level, it looks like it can be even higher. It could be closer to 40 to 50%, which is again, like that's crazy to think. Then how, like, how are we not talking about this more? Um, one great thing now to, to to note is I think we are starting to shift and move towards uh, being better educated, which would then mean we can start leveraging that data and information. So for example, uh, when when the US national women's soccer team won the 
the World Cup in 2019. Um, Good Morning America had interviewed Don Scott, who was the high performance coach uh, for the team at the time, and asked them, like, how were they able to outperform everyone at such a high level? And one of the, the things that um, the high performance coach mentioned was they started tracking menstrual cycles. They started tracking um, with a tool where not only did they look at individual players, but as a team, as a whole, where everybody was in terms of their menstrual cycle. And they really started leveraging that to um, also address and adapt their training, adapt their nutrition and adapt their sleep. So not only is the US national women's soccer team doing that now, but there's also a handful of other teams that are really starting to move that doll and, and step into that space like uh, Chelsea Women's Soccer Club out in the UK. And there's several others that are really starting to um, track their cycles and, and leverage that information and, and treat it as a holistic, just like as another variable of training. So um, it's great to see, and hopefully it just ends up becoming the norm as we, as we move forward. I think that's super interesting because at least in the soccer world, it seems that whatever the national teams are doing or these high level pro teams are doing, it usually filters its way down to the youth area. Um, for example, um, you know, ACL prevention or concussion prevention types of uh, related things that that has now filtered down to 13 year old girls um, doing ACL Warm, preventing warmups and, and, and learning how to, you know, exercise in a, in a physical way differently to promote injury prevention. And then you have um, on the technical side, you know, whatever these players do uh, in a technical training session, we're now seeing coaches try to infiltrate youth markets as young as age seven, having these kids do the exact same technical skill work that these high level players are doing. But it's so fascinating that with the national team doing this, that that is not something that's even being discussed at the youth level. And that seems to be what you're saying, that, that um, disconnect in education. And I think what uh, is very fascinating about it is that for some, and we found this in our clubhouse discussion, um, that periods and menstruation is an avenue that is nobody's business. Some of the people on that call kind of said, well, that's a female's right to her own body. But yet, you know, even as young as 12, some youth clubs, even in the area that I work in, they're tracking, they have physical pieces of equipment on bodies of female athletes and they're tracking their heart rate, they're tracking their movement. So like, why is it just that that's not, uh, that's, you know, just for the female athlete, but you can track and do everything else that you want. Isn't that interesting? It is. And I really think it's all about perception, mm -hmm. right? So I remember specifically during one of those clubhouse um, calls, I brought up the topic of the importance of coaches, whether they address the players or not, there should be that general knowledge there. Because if they understand the basic knowledge of what's happening, then they won't have that fear of, because I, I feel like a lot of that, a lot of the times of coaching and generalization here, I'm making the assumption that a lot of coaches don't want to deal with it because they don't know how. But if they have the basic 
information and education, at least they, they know the foundation and then they, they can understand and be a bit more compassionate of what's going on. Um, you mentioned, you know, girls at a certain age. Well, the average age that girls get their menstrual cycles is anywhere between 10 and 15. That's average. It can be as, as early as seven. So like, how do you, and we know during the first six years when girls get their periods, they're actually not consistent. So they can kind of show up whenever. So, which is why we encourage you should start tracking so that you can start noticing patterns and what are some symptoms. And if you have that conversation with the coaches, then they can also have a better understanding and adapt to, you know, where, where the, the, athlete is during their training cycle. Um, so I think that's one of the major things. And, and one of the, one of the things that we got pushback on was, I remember, I believe she was a coach, but also a parent where she said, well, that's my responsibility and not the coaches. I feel it's all of our responsibilities. Like, I feel like it's my duty. If I have this type of information that I could share with an athlete, with the parent, with the coach, then it's my obligation to share that information because, you know, going back to my own situation, there wasn't enough education back then. And which led to that traumatizing experience that I had, right? So given what I know now, and if I can help another um, coach, or parent or athlete not have to go through that experience, then I absolutely feel like it's my or our responsibility. Absolutely. And I think you're touching on an issue we have in general with coaches of all sports, not just soccer is what is the role of a coach? And I could equate this to teaching. So I'm a teacher in my day job. And it's that same notion of, you know, when I started teaching 15 years ago, uh, my role was to you know, teach the standards that I was given in, in a way that I was educated in my student teaching to do or whatnot. But over time, now part of my role is social emotional learning. I have to know all the different uh, ways and, and mental health issues that children are facing. I mean, on top of the other crazy things that I'm expected to do now with, you know, COVID and, um, gun control and you know I have to step in front of a loaded gun as a teacher now if there's an active shooter present and it's sort of like well as times change our goals are going to change and I think with coaches they often have thought you know I was good at the sport I like the sport I'm going to coach the sport but that's not what coaching is today you have to be able to adapt and make sure that you know that all the different things that are going to affect children that that is part of your responsibility to be knowledgeable at whether or not the organization you work for is providing that education. It's your job to seek it out. I think that's a big part, but I think to your point, there just isn't enough resources and education on this topic. Would you agree? I do agree. And, but I think it's, I, and the, the good news is I think um, we're starting to see a shift. We're starting to see even with male coaches and having those male allies, um, I've been, you know, I've been asked on multiple occasion by male coaches to uh, put on workshops for, for them, um, just to address, 
okay, well, what are some of the foundation and basics of, of menstrual education? And also for them, it's how do we actually approach the topic? Because they want to help. So um, that makes me happy and know that, hey, you know what, there are allies out there um, that do want to make a difference. And even for themselves, they just want that better understanding. So mm-hmm. again, we got to treat it more as a holistic um, type of training. And if we see menstrual cycles and where they are as just another variable of training, for example, um, in relation to sleep or training or nutrition, then perhaps the perspective and how you know, it, it, wouldn't, it would be a less of a taboo and just more of a generalized topic that a coach can speak to their athlete about and the athlete to the coaches as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so with this topic, I feel like there's not only is it, you know, a, a topic that is a bit taboo, like you said, unfortunately, Uh, In my opinion, it absolutely shouldn't be, but there's also just a lot of myths around periods and female athletes in general. There are just, um, you know, a lot of wrong information out there, I would say, because of this education piece missing. Um, And so I would love your thoughts on some of these sort of um, kind of myths in the the world of sport. One uh, that comes to mind would be you know, when a player is on her period in any sport, she can't perform at her best. I think that is uh, at coaching women. When I, when I was a player, I kind of felt, oh, I have cramps. I can't play as well. I know that some girls have, you know, not gone to practice because of it, or didn't want to play in a game because of it, or they tell the coach they're on it and they just can't participate in the coach without having any education is like, okay, and doesn't want to talk about it. And so there's this notion that you can't play your best. So is that, is that true or is that not true? Well, I think first and foremost, we need to kind of address that majority of all the research and learnings um, that we see or are taught are actually like research done on men opposed to women. So you, we're just physiologically different. You can't apply all the, the, the same information or stats and, and findings based on training men and, and applying them to women. That's just, we're different. Um, secondly, I would, I would disagree. Um, we've seen, well, Paula Radcliffe broke the world record um, running the fastest marathon in Chicago when she was having her period on menstrual cramps. So it's, it, we're all very different. We're all individuals. So everyone's cycle is going to be very different. But if you think about um, a lot of the times when we're, say, we're tired or the fatigue issue or cramping, a lot of that is premenstrual symptoms. So it's prior to you actually getting your period. But when you get your period, like all that buildup to you getting your period, period it's your body suddenly once it gets their period it relaxes and you're you're at a different physiological state your your hormones are actually at their lowest levels which is 
most comparable to where men are at. So that in certain situations, it will allow certain women and girls to perform at a higher level. But again, we don't talk about things like this because, you know, we just, people don't know, or they just make the assumption that if you're bleeding, you shouldn't be doing anything. Like for me personally, that was also a cultural thing from coming from an Asian family. We were taught, you know, when you get your period, you just don't do anything. I've had multiple, uh, multiple women athletes um, in general say, well, I have my period. I don't do anything. Why would you do anything? Well, that's completely allowing your period to dictate what you can do and mm-hmm. what you can and cannot do. And, and that's just not realistic. We, we can't really live like that. So yes, I do believe that there are a lot of myths out there. Um, and, you know, there's, there's certain people where, you know, the advice or suggestion is perhaps continue doing like we should move, we should move and do exercise because exercising um, the endorphins gives us better moods, helps us with, actually helps us with a lot of our period cramps and whatnot, uh, but you should continue to move and, and not just be completely um, stagnant and not do anything. So I think that's important to note that working out and moving your body will actually make you feel better. Perhaps some people can just do lighter types of training, say yoga or Pilates, but um, you should, and you should continue to exercise when you do have your period for sure. Absolutely. That was the second one you actually just answered, which was um, the myth of like, I shouldn't do anything when I'm on my period. So that was definitely one of them. Um, Another one, has more to do with uh, injury, I would say, um, you know, uh, how the relationship between injury prevention and your menstrual cycle, sort of, there's a myth that um, you can get more injured when you're on your period. Is that true or not true? Well, it's more to do with the hormones. So when it comes to estrogen, some of the research um, that's out there, shows that as you're, as you're getting towards ovulating, your estrogen rises and then your connective tissue can become more lax, which is the reason why when you're, when the connective tissue becomes more lax, it's more likely or easy for somebody to get injured. Um, but it's not necessarily because you're working out on your period, you're going to get injured. Yeah. But again, this is why there needs to be discussion around this. You know, I think that that it's hugely important. Um, I guess less less on myths and more on tips. Um, are there tips that you could give to female athletes on uh, navigating nutrition through your menstrual cycle while playing sports? Absolutely, especially. Um during or prior to you getting your period. So one of the, one of the other conversations you and I have had was in addition to heavy bleeding, I, I had told you, um, I also suffer from extreme, extreme period cramps, um, throughout my entire adult life. And what I realized through a lot of research reading and, and testing on my own, but suggestions out there as well is you can, 
you can manage majority of your symptoms with nutrition. Um, for example, three to five days prior to me getting my period, I will load up on say fish or fish oils, omega-3 fatty acids, um, eating a lot more leafy green vegetables, um, anti-inflammatory type foods like berries and, and, and drinking more smoothies, um, just to help with, because basically your the pain and a lot of symptoms is due to inflammation. So if you can start eating and prepping for that, then like I will, I, I've told you now, ever since I started doing that um, for the past six or seven months, I don't get any period pain at all anymore. Also, um, taking supplements like magnesium and zinc um, and, and also loading up on chia seeds and, and different types of seeds and nuts as well. That's so fascinating. I, I hope people are listening to this because I think a lot of women in general suffer from serious cramps. I know I did. And a lot of people's you know, initial reaction is to get on birth control to regulate not only when you get your period, but all of, also for some of those serious um, side effects. And then you're introducing a whole other level of hormones into a body that um, some young girls, you know, it's also hard to navigate all of that, which kind of brings me to why I think you and I connected in the first place, which is, um, you know, the mental side is something at female footballers that we really highly focus on. And this hundred percent plays a role with our menstruation. And when we talk hormones and the different hormone level changes that you have on your period, um, it's a level of what my mind goes to is what we, and what we try to do at female footballers is helping girls be more self-aware of, um, their needs, their wants, their expectations, all of that when it comes to sports. So knowing how they wanna be spoken to, knowing how they're motivated, knowing their levels of confidence. And when you think periods, you think, well, your hormones are gonna throw all of that off. Right. And so in my mind, it's like, the more self-aware you can be of what's happening to your body physically and mentally, the better it's going to be for that performance as well. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and, and I told, I completely agree with you. I believe knowledge is power, right? Being able to, like you said, self-awareness gives you that power. And going back to tracking your menstrual cycle, if you know what's coming and you start, if you start tracking and understanding the data and just start noticing, and I don't want to say understanding the data, but to put it in simpler terms, start noticing what are the patterns then you can better adapt your training or understand, okay, well, the, like for the past two months, I've noticed a week prior to my period showing up, I do notice my mood changes a bit and want, so then you can start preparing yourself. And I think that's a big part in when it comes to say, like when you're, when you're mentioning confidence, as well as the whole anxiety piece, um, for, for myself when I experienced that period leak. Like if I had started tracking and kind of understood when or what were some of the certain symptoms that were telling me my period was coming, I would have been better able to prepare myself and not feel those 
um, moments of anxiety and fear. I mean, some of it will just be there, but it perhaps like it wouldn't have been at that level. And I could have potentially prevented that situation or had the ability to at least talk to my coach and say, look, the, I've noticed over the course of the last year after tracking my cycle, this is what happens. Um, and just to give that awareness to somebody else and let them know. So I, I definitely think um, knowledge is power and, and really don't shy away from learning about yourself and what's going on with your body. Cause really you can use that to your advantage. It can become more of a superpower than it is um, that's something that's detrimental and, and is negative. So for me, it's all about how do we change that perspective? Yes, and it's definitely a cultural piece in our world that has to have a shift. And I think that once it does, it is going to, you know, create so many, I think it'll help all sports retain more female athletes in playing because we see a massive dropout around age 13, which coincides perfectly with periods. And I think that, um, you know, I sometimes have, I've gotten some pushback from families before too, and on this topic where it's like, well, I don't expect my daughter to, to know every aspect of herself. She's not able to do that. And I always fight back. I'm like, but your kid's soccer coach is making themselves aware of how to like self-correct a shot and know every detail about how their foot is, um, you know, that their ankle needs to be locked and that their planner foot needs to be here. And it's like, so if we can teach kids to be self-aware and how to self-correct technical skills, or we ask them to watch game footage now at 10 years old and analyze the tactics of the game, why are we not asking them to self-analyze and be aware of their own bodies and their own mental health? Like they are capable, you know? How is that different? And again, it's changing the mindset that, because there is a taboo attached to the word period or menstruation. And if we can change it where it's just another variable, it's not anything different than what you're talking about, like technical training, then perhaps that can shift like the, the mentality around that can shift a little bit. So absolutely. I think that's so necessary. And, um, I mean, the work that you're doing is, is awesome. And I have to say it's, um, it's very inspiring because it's a topic that, um, just isn't being talked about enough. And then when it does, I think everybody kind of jumps on board and they're like, yeah, yeah. And then they, they stop thinking about it. Like it's going to go away. And like you said, like they're not going away. <laughs> you know? No, <laughs> there needs to be a lot more education. And I hope for, for my sport being soccer, but all sports that this becomes a topic that infiltrates all of the coaching education. We're slowly seeing a little bit of that on the mental side, you know, with the Olympics happening this summer yeah. and the Simone Biles and the Naomi Osaka's keep coming up in a lot of these podcast episodes that I'm doing because they're discussing and normalizing something that hasn't really been discussed at that level. And it's helpful. And I think we're going to see more and more coaching education pop up around the mental health side. But um, do you know of in, in any sport um, coaching education on menstruation? Are you familiar with any of that? I've done a I've done a lot of digging and I really haven't seen much. I I agree with you. And um going back to the Simone Biles and Naomi, like bravo to them. 
like the amount of courage that it took for them to come out and say, but that's sometimes that's what it takes for somebody that has that platform to shed some light Mm -hmm. on that, on that dark topic that hasn't been spoken about, like bravo to, to them. Um, There are some athletes that have spoken. I remember there, there was a gymnast, I believe that mentioned something about um, having her period. Um, But we like, there's, there has to be more. And again, like half the world's population are, are women and girls and, and periods are not going away. It's, we have to somehow be able to standardize the conversation or normalize um, to not make it a big of a deal Mm -hmm. in a negative way than, than people view it. So um, we start off by doing things like this, having people like you, um, and other allies that are willing to openly speak about it. And, and it's one person at a time, unfortunately, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully there will be a trickling effect. And again, at the end of the day, it's, it's the girls that we need to help with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So have you worked with any athletes or teams on any of this, um, more recently? I mean, yeah, Yeah, um, there's several teams out in the UK, especially specifically in soccer um, that we've done some work or I'm putting on some workshops for also locally here in Canada. Um, It's through communities um, and finding, finding the, um, the one or two people that that understands and becomes your, your champions in the cause. Mm -hmm. Um, They're the ones, like you say, I've heard you say the word infiltrate a couple of times now, (laughs) but if you can get the right person on board and they're willing to champion the cause, then that's how you slowly make progress. Um, both again, again, on the menstrual education side, and also, for example, uh, with my line, it's for me, creating what I realized was when I created my product, it was a byproduct of the bigger problem. So it was having a tangible solution. But there's also that big menstrual education piece. And when it comes to having a solution, um, like when I do develop uh, or deliver workshops, sorry, I try to I try to show what all the possible product solutions are, not just like what I've developed, but look, there's choices out there. And that's another part of it is you need to let the women and girls know what all those choices are so they can pick and choose what's um, what fits them and what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, this has been such a great conversation and I'm so excited for listeners to get to hear from you and what you're doing and just this topic in general. And, um, you know, if they want to know more, if they want to, to buy products off your line, where can they find you and, and, um, and any social media, whatever, where are you? 
Yeah, we're, well, you can check out our website on www.flowtofreedom, F-L-O-W, the number two freedom.com. Uh, we're on Instagram, the handles flow to freedom as well. Same thing as Facebook. Um, our, if I'll just quickly tell you a little bit about our, our product line, our um, collection is actually made locally here in Canada. And um all the materials that we use are sustainable materials. For example, the exterior layer of the, the legging or shorts or pants are made from recycled plastic bottles. We, the, there was a lot of thought put towards, you know, if we're going to do this and we're going to make an impact, let's do it right and do it the best way that we can. So, um, yeah, feel free to check out um, our line. on. I love on, that. The recycled yeah. bottles. That's so cool. No. You Canadians, I'll tell you, you guys are just so good when it comes to that stuff. Which actually, I had one more question. I know I was ready to wrap this up, but my I have to ask it, which is working in with UK teams and then being in Canada, the cultural piece with United States and menstruation, do you see a difference in how the different countries handle this topic? No. Okay. Uh, not not necessarily. I think, again, it goes to finding the right people because there are a lot of you and I's and out there. It's just connecting right with the right people. And there's a lot of work being done. Like, for example, I, I mentioned with the U U.S. National Women's Soccer Team. So um, I know a lot of the collegiate sports are also looking into you know, leveraging the data with menstrual cycles as well. I think this is a global topic that we all need to work together to, to tackle. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world that this, the, the issue is the same. And um, again, it's finding the right people and aligning yourself with the right people with this, with similar core values um, so that you can move the dial and continue doing the work. Absolutely. If you, if people listening, if you are one of those people that you're passionate about this topic, you agree that, that there needs to be more normalizing around it, please reach out to Josephine, check her out on her website. Um, this is something that we are gonna continue to talk about. I'm sure we'll have Josephine on again in the future to, to discuss because this topic is so big and broad that we can go many different directions but we really appreciate your time and and knowledge on this and and i can't thank you enough for being on our podcast right thank you so much again for the invite it's been a pleasure and can't wait to continue the conversation with you absolutely so check her out and thank you so much for listening thank you